to another episode of Small Talk, Small Government with Bill and Deb. Hey, Bill. Hello. This is episode 10. We are titling it ESG Uprising. Quite a, uh, a, an appropriate title considering what has recently happened in Sri Lanka. Um, you know, the, the government is, has collapsed. The people have had a total uprising, including burning government buildings and really running amok there. So we're going to get into the details of what caused that to happen um, and, and talk about a little bit more close to home. And even more recently, that it seems like it's being adopted by other countries, despite the fact that it's clearly uh, it, it, a recipe for ruin. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, so it was, you know... As usual, all the greatest ideas tend to come out of the World Economic Forum. So Sri Lanka was one of the, I guess it was the first, um, uh, kind of like a pet project or, you know, whatever you want to call it, to take on this really uh, radical um, uh, organic farming experiment. And it, it's it's sad, but funny, the, the way they're putting it in this article that I was reading the title of it is, In Sri Lanka, Organic Farming Went Catastrophically Wrong. Then the subtitle, the subtext here, A Nationwide Experiment is Abandoned After Producing Only Misery. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, that's that a sums bleak it right title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty bleak right there. Rather bleak. And then as we'll get into in a few moments, Justin Trudeau was like, Well, hell, sign us up for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... You know, oh my the, goodness! The problem with this is that uh, you know the 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 economics of these kinds of things are ignored by the leaders of these countries who are somehow beholden to the World Economic Forum. So in in attempting to carry this out, the country Sri Lanka did go bankrupt, and you know their their citizens are you know starving, and it, it's it's more than just you know. All of the things that go along with that, I don't know if people mm-hmm. really put thought into what that means for the individual life, you know, at, at, the, at the ground level. So back in April 2021, so that hasn't been that long ago, uh, President Rajapaksa declared that the use of synthetic fertilizers uh, was no longer allowed. And this was due to his environmental policy changes that he was putting in place resulting from this big idea of the World Economic Forum so they they claimed that organic material could lead could yield the same amounts as their synthetics, but actually mm-hmm. rice production domestically fell by twenty percent in just the first six months. Wow, so, um, you know, that's yeah, pretty dramatic. A pretty deep drop right off the beginning, and this is the thing about the fact that the like the the basic economics, the supply, the the science, everything behind it is ignored. Um, so they're, oh yeah, it'll be fine. They can totally yield the same amount and they just like plow ahead without anything. Mm-hmm. And then, and then even interestingly enough, after the first six months and you see what's happening, no adjustment, no wow. adjustment, you know, and, and it's like, that's what they do. They're like these ideologues. That's the way I look at it. They're, they're so stuck in that ideological vision and path that they won't deviate from it. Even when they see it's not working, even when they see the pain or the issue that's causing so yeah, and that's that's really uh, significant, especially I think for the people of Sri Lanka because it's in that like a uh, uh, their primary their food major, source. It's a total staple, yeah, and apparently also um, it's one of their exports. 
So oh. they, they needed to start importing rice, they say, at, uh, at about $450 million of rice. And wow. that was something that they had always been self-sufficient in. Um, and then all of a sudden, prices surged 50% for rice. So, you wow. know, suddenly people who used to be able to either grow their own rice or pick some up cheap at the grocery store that was farmed domestically, now it, it costs 50% more and, you know, the people in bread lines. Um, wow. So the, yeah, the other export that they have is tea crops, and that was a no, another thing that uh, was pretty much decimated and farmers couldn't afford to farm anymore. So, in addition to all of that, with you know, the energy changes and everything else, fuel became rationed at four gallons a person. They had thousands of people lining up at pumps. They guarded by armed police. They had oh, fights wow. breaking out, people waiting, you know, eight, ten hours in the heat of the day. They say that people were dying while waiting in line. And, you know, so again, Ooh. it's not as simple as, like, the way we hear it in this country. Well, you know, just suck it up or just you know, buy an electric car, you know, do whatever it is that you, you need to do it. it, it when you change things so drastically like this, it's going to have a bad effect. So um, the fuel price has doubled. Vegetables this year, they say, are more than five times more expensive than last year. Rice, wow. 30% more at this point. So they say that, you know, again, people can either shop at stores and pay these crazy prices, or they can line up at the government shops where prices are three to four times lower. But again, then you got the, the situation of waiting in line forever um, you know, is mm -hmm. there even going to be enough up there when you get there? It's everything it you sounds can like, imagine. Uh, yeah, it sounds like typical socialist country sort of issues that you might have with the lines and the scarcity of products. Yeah, and and it's it's scary too, and we'll, we'll get into it a little with the, with the Canadian idea, but the way they keep telling even us here in Western countries that, that they're letting us know to expect these strange crises now. There, there's going to be food mm -hmm. shortage, and there's going to be this, and there's going to be that. And you're like, is there? Why? Do you know something we don't know? You know? So, um. Oh, you're right there. I, I'd noticed that before, but hadn't really, uh, hadn't really thought about it. But you're right. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's all those crises that we should be looking for. Yeah. And, well, in Sri Lanka, they've had enough with it. Just last month, uh, protesters burnt President Rajapaksa's home to the ground and stormed the presidential secretariat. So as a result of this, again, we're looking at this change occurred in April last year. So what is that now? 15 months? Mm -hmm. uh, they're 50 billion in debt. China holds 10% of that debt. And, and they've basically completely collapsed their economy. So, uh, the, yeah, the interesting thing about that, too, is that um, their debt ratio is actually, you know, a little bit better than ours. Um, really? Yeah, apparently, I, what I was reading is that in the U.S., our debt is $30 trillion, which is 125% the size of annual economic output. Theirs is 104 so, uh, therefore, our debt is, you know, what is that then, 9% higher uh, comparatively to our output. But, and they say that generally 90% or so is considered the danger zone and headed to collapse. And so here we are well above that, and we just keep playing with it, you know, just keep, mm -hmm. keep you know, going into debt, keep printing more money, keep doing this, keep doing that. And it, it's just, it's scary. 
And so China holds more of their debt than, than China holds of ours. I'm, I'm reading that our debt is held by China at just under 4%. But mm-hmm. um, the scary thing about this having happened to Sri Lanka then is that now the leaders are gone. They've, they've you know, fled. And the yeah. country is in ruins and unstable. And that makes it vulnerable to invasion or coercion, uh, you know, like a state to become beholden to a superior state. And that's something that, you know, we haven't seen in the developed world for a long time happen Mm -hmm. but um what is also something that i think is important to that to me was kind of a parallel as i was reading into this that that really blew my mind um and it it felt like it hit a little too close to home for me is that that family the rajapakskas they've been in power in sri lanka uh, quite a bit on and off for like the last 20 years or so and um really yeah, I mean, th- that family basically destroyed their economy, and they, they, they call it, and this is another article that I, I, I liked the, the, um, the subtitle or subtext of it, crony capitalism, protectionism, and corruption have caused havoc. Um, and so it's, it's the same thing that these, this family has been uh, getting together and having, you know, getting involved in projects that are kind of lining their pockets they don't really have a whole lot of um, use or reason to to uh, to take place or even be built like a whole lot of large-scale infrastructure projects, like highways, airports, towers, and things that are totally tainted with corruption. They provide low returns, and then they, mm-hmm. they fill the pockets of these politically connected people. So uh, they call it a parasitic class of business people. But um, Oh, wow, that really and, describes it. Yeah. And what it reminds me of is when when you and I did that episode on uh, like the Hunter Biden thing and all the, the, mm-hmm. the business interests that Hunter Biden had. And they talked specifically about that. Uh, the Chinese uh, was it the CEF, I think, the, the uh, mm-hmm. Chinese Economic Foundation or something that was and they said it was a way to spread China's influence around the world. And that was all about infrastructure projects. So, you know, it yeah. makes me wonder, I'm, I'm going to look into it a little bit more, like, you know, were these people taking money from China, you know, building these things, because now you can see that China holds such an, I mean, 10% is kind of a lot of their debt, you know, yeah. so how was it that, you know, c- could that same principle, the CEF, have, you know, contributed to this as well? But, you know, we see this happening all over this, all over the place now, Um I think in the Netherlands, it's going on as well. Yeah, it's actually pretty similar. Basically, the uh, just the same as Sri Lanka. You know, this was an idea from the World Economic Forum, and basic economics were ignored by the leaders who are beholden yeah. to the World Economic Forum. And in attempting to implement these uh, strategies, then uh, bad things happen. The, the Netherlands hasn't gone bankrupt yet, but there's major uprisings in the country uh, from the farmers, especially. And uh, similar to Sri Lanka, um, the leaders had the idea to maybe not uh, make this into an organic paradise like Sri Lanka, but uh, they needed to, uh, they claimed they needed to reduce nitrogen emissions by 70% over eight years um, and also reduce the ammonia emissions. uh, But both of those are heavily used in fertilizer and agriculture. Uh, There are similar restrictions in the rest of the EU, but they're less stringent. Uh, abroad than they are in the Netherlands, and it's a, like I say, similar food production policies to the to Sri Lanka. 
Um, and I guess, about... you know, some of the, when, when you talk about the, some of them are not as stringent as others, I guess really, and this is all around their desire to have that better ESG score. Yeah, yeah. You need to uh, increase your, your environmental uh, score on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Netherlands actually is, um, I was surprised, it's the second largest um, agricultural country in the world. Uh, great second that, largest yeah. exporter and um, I was I was surprised by that um, it's as uh, you know farming is a significant business in the Netherlands um, it's uh, it's the biggest in the in the EU it's the second biggest exporter in the world uh, behind the US uh, the, they export 94 billion dollars of, of agriculture and we export 150 billion wow. and there's about a hundred million livestock in the country so it's you know, it's significant, a significant portion of the economy there. They're, they're attempting to, uh, uh, you know, to improve their environmental scores, like I say, what it comes yeah. really right down to. Well, it's interesting because while we were just talking about it, I looked it up just to see what is their score. You know, wondering, like, is there any, you know, ha- how do you see the way it ranks? And this is a Forbes article saying that the Netherlands mm-hmm. government, their uh, ESG ranking is 907 and it ranks in cool. the lower third of European nations. So that makes you kind of like look at it and realize, well, I guess that's why they go into, well, we don't want to be in the lower third. You yeah. know, we want to be at least be in the middle or, you know, in the top third. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, and, and yet as one of the major farmers of the entire world, to be messing around with it for something that seems to make very little yeah, sense. For some, is, yeah, for some made-up score. Yeah, and that's what makes you realize, like, you know, who's at the top that's getting the kickback from that? You know, I mean, we see that in Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. it's an obvious thing. Like, you know, these people are just like, oh, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. We'll go ahead and do it to hell with the facts. You know, so <laughs> it's just it just it, it blows my mind because it, it really is. It's just somebody's choice. Right. And, and that yeah, just it's, doesn't it's, seem right. Yeah. It's somebody's somebody's uh, decision that, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum's ESG score should should rule them. Yeah, is more important and, um, than the you know the prosperity and the health and everything of your citizens. Yeah, exactly. Sick. It's actually started a little more recently than Sri Lanka's uh, whole experiment there. This um, well, it's been going on for a little while, but uh, but in 2019, uh, the World Economic Forum touted Dutch hydroponic production of tomatoes as a model for world food production, and uh, then in 2021. Uh, the WF and the Netherlands partnered to launch what they called Food Innovation Hubs. And this is a uh, public-private partnership that, uh, quote, will be key multi-stakeholder platform uh, that will leverage technology and broader innovations to strengthen local innovation ecosystems for food systems transformation. And that's according to the WEF. <laughs> and it's and, a whole uh, bunch of, uh, that's the usual word salad. Let's throw yeah. in all the words. Yeah, but really, it means make fascism. It's eco-fascism. That's that's another. Yeah, term yeah, that's exactly seen. what it is. <laughs> yeah. And these uh, food innovation hubs are funded by the Dutch government. Uh, the World Economic Forum has an on-site representative managing the program, and working with the Dutch government. So they're almost basically part of the Dutch government, and and uh, working, you know, working through the uh, through them. Um, and a, one of the flagship initiatives of the World Economic Forum is the Food Action Alliance, 
and uh, through that, these hubs, these food innovation hubs, will be spread throughout the world and coordinated from the from the Netherlands by the uh, WEF and Dutch government. Mm -hmm. And so these these hubs are going to be, like I say, all throughout the world. They're going to be uh, spread out and and uh, trying to uh, spread that. Uh, uh, public-private partnership, and I think you mm -hmm. you had mentioned at one point here recently. You, know, you should always be concerned when you see that public-private partnership. You know, nothing yeah. nothing good ever comes from something like that. No, and, and what it really means is that the, the government puts pressure on whatever that quote private thing was, and usually there's somebody running the private part of it mm -hmm. who is very interested in the economic gains, and you know, it it it, it that is fascism. The government and business coming together and colluding in that kind of way—that that really is the way to look at it. So, to me, yeah. I'm always on alert whenever I see that. Oh, okay, so the government is getting bigger and taking over another thing. Sounds yeah, great. Yeah. And and whoever and is in charge uh, of that one thing is all okay with it. Yeah. Probably yeah. going to be great for we little people. Yeah. It's uh, I, I don't see what could possibly go wrong. Yeah. And uh, I've never read a history book in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never seen this. Yeah, I've never seen this go wrong before. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the, the World Economic Forum wants to use the knowledge of Dutch farmers to transform global agriculture uh, for food and the environment. Hmm. And they say, uh, oh, here's another one. Here's another quote from the World Economic Forum. Hold no, on to your no, hats oh, here. I think it's going to have a lot of words. Uh oh, a yeah. Lot of there's words. a lot of words in here. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a quote, with country-led approaches, the hubs will drive both high-end and low-end grassroots and other innovations that could have scalable impact, as well as innovations encompassing supply chains, partnerships, mm. and business models that can enable systemic change. Ah, grassroots, innovations, yeah. scalable, systemic change. Systemic change, that's, the, the, the that's kind that of the scary... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of scary things in there, yeah. and all this is similar to the Great Reset mm -hmm. uh, from the World Economic Forum, and that's similar to uh, the United Nations Agenda 2030. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, the the United Nations is leading and integrating World Economic Forum. Uh, resources in there. And you'll also hear another scary phrase in there that's that is in order to meet climate goals dot mm -hmm. dot dot. Yeah. Um, and that's basically that's the goal uh, you know of these of these uh, food initiatives like Sri Lanka and and the Netherlands. Um, the goal is to fundamentally transform the way farmers farm and how all 7.7 .7 billion people on this earth consume and think about food. Mm -hmm. And one thing that uh, that I've noticed here uh, recently, uh, you know, the few times I've uh, uh, go out to eat, they sort of transform the language about uh, about the food you're eating as well. Um, I think I went to, uh, I think it was Denny's here recently for uh, for lunch, and you, you order the you know Grand Slam or whatever that is, and they don't ask you, you know, what do you want? Do you want bacon and sausage and all like that? They say, you know, what protein do you want? So they're, mm -hmm. it's like they're transforming the language, yeah. So you don't think that? about. Yeah, you don't think about, uh, you know, I'll have some bacon or I'll have, uh, you know, a uh, uh, sausage or something like that. You know, it, now it's now it's just reduced to a protein. Yeah, I'll have and, the, the gray uh, mush. Yeah, I'll have the gray yeah. mush there. <laughs> I'll have and, the, uh, uh, the, the you know, putting on my, yeah, yeah, putting on my, uh, you know, my conspiracy theory tinfoil hat, then uh, you could see that once they change that, then they can swap out the, the sausage for something that's that's not sausage and the bacon for something that's not bacon and still call it a protein. 
but they don't have to call it a meet because mm -hmm. it's not a meet anymore. And then then you get into uh, into a situation of soylent green, and, uh, yeah. and uh, it's all downhill from there. And this is, again, that's the thing. Like, once you see this stuff, you see it. And and, and it's all yeah. you see. It's it, That's right. the red pill. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't unsee some of this stuff that, uh, yeah. that you start to see. Uh, but anyway, back to the back to our friends in the Netherlands. Uh, in attempting to uh, implement all these policies, uh, the government was trying to implement all these policies about uh, the uh, nitrogen reduction and everything, which uh, limits the amount of fertilizer uh, that you can use. Um, the farmers realized that they, they would just go out of business. Mm -hmm. Just um, like in Sri Lanka, yep. I mean, and, and yep, the, exactly. I, I will say that that government offered them, here's some subsidies, here's something, oh, you know, just be quiet, I'm sorry, oh yeah, you know, we caused mm -hmm. a problem here, I have a list, but it, it just doesn't compare. And yeah. I mean, yeah, so... And, and basically, it's a you know same thing as Sri Lanka. You know, you can't use the nitrogen in your fertilizer, mm -hmm. uh, so there's less fertilizer that you can use, which means there's lower crop yields. And mm -hmm. if there's lower crop yields, then eventually there's just no farmers. And if yeah. there's no farmers, then there's no food. And yep. then you end up just like Sri Lanka, where you have to import the food that you used to be able to grow for yourself and export the surplus. Mm -hmm. And you know. Lower crop yields means uh, the need for more land to feed the same or larger number of people. Mm. And so it's kind of a, uh, you know, kind of the paradox there of, of this whole thing. And, and also, not only, not only in plants, uh, you, you'd have less yield and everything, but also in livestock. And the farmer said they would have to call their livestock herds significantly, perhaps by 50%. Mm -hmm. And and it's also some of these nitrogen and, and other emission standards are based on how many animals they have. And, and so, so basically there, there would be like the, there's nothing for the animals to eat either? Is that Yeah, there's nothing for the animals to eat and... Uh, the farmers have too many animals. They're, they're, the emissions and the, and the runoff and all the bad things that, uh, that, the, um, uh, that, the, that the livestock that might the, produce, produce. Is, is above the level of, of what the government uh, yeah. says that it should be. Now I remember, I, 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 wasn't it which of our illustrious Congress people um, or alarmists was it that, that let us know that cow flatulence was among our our greatest uh, threats and concerns with climate change. And was that? Uh, it sounds like something that AOC would say, but it I don't know if that was uh, if that was her. I'd forgotten about that. All the nitrogen emissions rules um, are also based on how many animals that the farmer has. So if they have too many, uh, then um, uh, then they're going to have to cull their herds, perhaps by as much as fifty percent. And um, all that is based on all the you know all the negative emissions that the uh, that the cows and and other animals would uh, would produce. And the thing that makes that is so ridiculous about that is that you know the people who make up these rules you know completely ignore all of the you know I mean like here's a, a stupid one Taylor Swift for instance recently being in the news for being one of the top polluters due to the number of trips her private jet takes is like you know far and away above most people but then oh, you got wow. people like john Kerry is one of the ones that people are always saying about well is john Kerry willing to give up his private jet 
you know, are any of them willing to give up things like that? And they're not, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll, you know, harp away on something like cow farts, you know, going to be the death of us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they're, they're certainly not going to pay the price. Of course, John Kerry's a, a special guy. He's uh, out there fighting for all of us anyway, for uh, all our climate Thanks. emergencies and whatever it is. And so he has to take the private plane. As he very nicely explained that one time that uh, he's just, he just has to because he's, he's, because he's just, just that out special. There, yeah. Yep. And, uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> enough of John Kerry. Yeah. Um, and cow farts. And cow farts, yes. Oh, the, uh, the farmers are also restricted in the Netherlands from farming next to environmentally protected areas. But the thing is, is that most of the Netherlands is pretty much near an environmentally protected area. So basically, it's half the country is, is uh, basically an environmentally protected area, and the other half is farmland. So you're, you're in a no, mm-hmm. no-win situation there. But uh, it's like you were saying about um, everybody ignoring the, uh, the basic economic facts. Once you reduce somebody's crops or livestock to a certain level, then they can't, they can't make as much money. And when they can't make as much money, they're not going to cover their expenses. And when they can't cover their expenses, they're operating at a loss. And if they're operating at a loss, they might as well just go out of business because it's going to be cheaper to go out of business. that's one of the things also... And, and, yeah, and, there they and are. that's one of the things that that yeah that that bothers me about some people's attitudes about these things when they think that, you know, basically any business farm any producer of any type well if they would just be willing to make less money, well if they would just be willing to cut their profits mm-hmm. and and to your point you know yet sometimes these policies are so outrageous that they would cut the the, the profitability out entirely yeah. You know, we see the same thing happening here with the, you know, some of the restrictions on our land and, you know, and some of the, the crazy, um, you know, taxes and, you know, different um, what are the regulations and, and, and financial impact that all of that has. And, and it makes businesses unprofitable. Yeah, yeah. It's not that they're greedy and, and suddenly they're like, well, if I can't make, you know, $3 for every one I spend, I'm just not going to do this anymore. No, I mean, sometimes you're talking about making a dollar and 20 cents for every dollar you spend or something mm-hmm. like that. And that, that's, I don't like the way they're using so many of these things. They're, they're pinching producers to such a degree and then turning around and pointing the finger at them and trying to get people to basically like turn away from, from capitalism or free market exchange or any of that, you know? So to me, I mean, I see that clear as day. Yeah, wasn't it, who was it? Was it Biden who said uh, a couple of months ago, well, yeah, they, they just uh, all these big corporations, they just have to lower their yeah. prices. Yeah. It's just and, like and, that I mean, was I the solution. I talked to people, yeah, in regular conversation, and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it's the corporations that are causing this. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, that yeah. is that is about the barely it's just itching at the surface you got to be kidding me that you just you know bought what they're telling you hook line and sinker so you can do what reject your whole economic base and and form of government and okay well it's working apparently (laughs) you know for some people because that that's there are people who believe that yeah the world economic forum would be proud of that but the yeah. there's there's a couple ideas as to what's going on here. Some of the farmers say that that all this is the government's attempt to put farmers out of business, so the government can take over the land and build houses. And there is actually a, a significant shortage of housing in the Netherlands. 
some other people say, and, and here's your tinfoil hat warning, uh, some others say it has to do with this thing called the Tri-State City, uh, which is a plan to make most of the Netherlands, Belgium, and Germany into one large metropolis, uh, basically the primary city of Europe and the world's number one urban power center. So there's so that that it could be it could be that yeah that um, there's not a lot of data on that and it seems to be a conspiracy theory but uh, you never know I mean like I say the difference between a conspiracy theory and the and the facts is six months anyway yeah. so. It, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of like really interesting um, kind of like absence of, of real strong power and leadership in Europe right now that mm -hmm. uh, to me make it um, entirely possible and susceptible that somebody will come in with some big idea like that and it, it will it'll grow legs. I mean, it, it's almost yeah. the same you know, th that this is how these things happen, particularly if people are hungry and if they are desperate and, and things like that. So, I mean, they'll almost buy anything. And, and it's really interesting because here you're talking about the Netherlands having this massive amount of great fertile farmland. Mm -hmm. And yet there'd be an idea that, you know, what would be great here. Some houses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just let's destroy our economy and put up some houses. And uh, yeah. And the farmers, obviously, they can, you know, they can see all this coming. So uh, there's 30,000 or 40,000 farmers who are blocking roads and slowing traffic with their tractors. Um, they're mm -hmm. blocking the grocery stores and food distribution hubs, like just surrounding grocery stores and so no trucks can get in and no trucks can, uh, can mm -hmm. deliver anything. They're dumping manure in the streets outside government offices. And this all, this all sounds like, um, you know, the, the uh, Canadian trucker protests from earlier this year. Kind of mm -hmm. the kind of the same same idea that uh, people yeah, have just well, had we'll enough. Yeah, we'll see if uh, we'll see if they um, if they rule that and try to shut it down with the same tyrannical iron fist that Justin Castro Trudeau ruled his country with. So, yeah. and 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 continues to. But you know, one thing that I wanted to say when you were talking about uh, all of this kind of falling in line with the um, the the world economics uh, world economic forums big. Uh, the UN agenda by 2030, and it makes me think a little bit more also about the, um, you know, China wanting to also be the world's next big power, mm -hmm. uh, no later than 2030 as well. The big 2030 plan. Yeah. And um, I understand that here we are forcing these countries like Sri Lanka, um, Netherlands. We'll talk about Canada in a minute. All of these countries willingly tanking their economies screwing with their energy production, screwing with their food production, doing all these things that are, uh, you know, making their people miserable, their country vulnerable. Uh, somehow the leaders at the top are doing just fine, far better than they ever were before, you know. But all of these wild, strict, drastic rules being applied to, to these places, and yet China is producing more coal plants, Right now, you know, and, and, and China is is doing absolutely nothing in the same vein as all these others. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that I think is important to, like, you know, keep in mind of all this is that they're continuing, they're beefing up their ability to produce that power that's going to be needed for the batteries yeah. and is going to be needed for, you know, uh, you know for that we're all going to be beholden to them. 
you know, and, and that is just such a wildly scary thing to me. And I, I can't, you know, even some of the little changes that, that we could do that, you know, I recognize that, that it, it's, it's, you know, better to, you know, have certain little policies in place or changes that you can make and things like that. But I, I can't help but be so focused on the big picture, mm-hmm. knowing what they're doing, that like, you know, all of it, I, I, I can't, I can't ac- accept any of it because I know where it's leading, you know? So, and it kind of, it, it gets into, um, uh, you know, what, what you talk about with Dan Bongino mm-hmm. and the, the broken legs fallacy with the, you know, hey, my legs are broken, you know, you broke my legs, but now you're going to like come along and offer me what, the crutches or the cure for, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, let me not forget a, that you're the one that broke my legs. Yeah, and it's the same thing that broke your legs is the cure that they're trying to uh, uh, to sell you. And that's exactly what's happening here. You know, the uh, the, the whole thing that, that, um, uh, that destroyed these countries is the World Economic Forum and the, and the, uh, all this, um, ESG stuff, and now that's the cure, is, is just more ESG. But yeah. all these policies, they're, they're anti-human and pro-scarcity environmental policies. Uh, so basically, the, the people who believe this and are trying to push this uh, believe that nature would be pure if it weren't for humans. Mm-hmm. And of course, humans are the root of all evil on Earth. And uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, as humans, we are the, uh, just, just uh, horrible uh, we've done evil things. Yeah. Um, there should be less of us. There should be ideally there should be zero of us, and they're trying to get back to this purity of nature by minimizing humans' effects on the environment uh, to such a significant way as to basically eliminate us from the planet. But it's like you say, like you said earlier, will the ruling class who comes up with these ideas ever have to deal with these uh, restrictions of the? of the food and, and of their own policies. And, and I don't really think they will. They're, uh, yeah. all, all the rest of us have to deal with, uh, with food scarcities and, and things like in the Netherlands and in Sri Lanka. But, um, uh, but they're, yeah. They're and sitting... I mean, even in, in, in the, the thing that really blew my mind was that you and I were talking about this happening in, in late July in Sri Lanka and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Trudeau is on TV, suddenly I see that he's talking about implementing the same kind of policies against, you know, the fertilizer Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And all of the the farmers are speaking out about it. And the fact that he's moving forward with it, it, it's making the Farmers Forum wonder, is he intentionally trying to cause this food shortage, which again, he previously told Canadians to prepare for. You know, and, 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 and that's the big idea. That's the other thing that is like, is, is annoying the, the way they, they push this strange, weird morality down on us. You know, well, you know, we'll just have to pull together. It's going to be a difficult time, but we'll get through it like we always do. And, you know, expect less, want yeah. less and all these things that, and we're like, well, yeah, I guess it's okay because you know, we have to save the planet and just like, well, I guess it's okay that we're going to send billions over to uh, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's important that they're sovereign and protected. We'll leave our border open. You know, and these things like that, that they just, are people not starting to see this? Yeah, they're telling you what uh, what's coming down the pike and, uh, and here it is. Yeah, and I mean, and again, like, why are we not uh, 
really skeptical and really awake right now. <laughs> yeah, we should be. Oh, that and sounds it, and, fine. Yeah, and it's like you say that uh, that this is all uh, appeals to something higher in us in the you know the morality, um, mm -hmm. uh, the whole morality of it. Even though it's uh, you know it doesn't have anything to do with morality, that's just a, you know the ploy to try to get us to do all this stuff. I mean, we even read about that when we did our episode of The Great Reset, and I was talking about the book uh, that Klaus Schwab had written mm -hmm. all about mm -hmm. using COVID-19 to bring about this, uh, the, the big reset, which is, you know, when you can, like, play to people's, well, it's the right thing to do for your neighbor. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you should care about other people. And, and it's like, oh, you know what? I know about the golden rule and all that, but what you're talking about is actually corrupt and tyrannical and disgusting yeah yeah but it, it really is i mean this is just a, this is an incredible time to be alive and to see these things that are happening you know they, they can have so much data in front of them to to tell them that this is a bad idea and you know but th they're just suppressing it um you know of course the the private public partnerships yeah. are just booming and media is covering it all up and and those of us who have a complaint you know, we just have to, you know, learn to want a little bit less and, um, you know, suck it up because it's coming. Yeah. And so this is, this is the, you know, to me, the, all of this that we've talked about today, it is the globalist agenda. You can't get any bigger government than that. And like we always say on this podcast, that, that is not what we want to be heading to. The government is best when it is kept small, needs limited power. We don't need it telling us how to farm you know, making us hungry, making us poor, making us vulnerable. That's where we're heading.